0: Here we are now, with episode 5 of Learning to Breathe. Today I'd like to talk about underwater breathing. And also, I'd like to talk about smoking. Underwater breathing is a whole world of techniques that can open up how it feels to be in your body. And this works with relaxation, balance, and your sense of weight. Water, and interacting with water and swimming in general, is such a beautiful thing. It's brought so much to me. And I currently have a daily routine of swimming, outdoor swimming, in ocean water. And that's brought me so much. That's brought me such great feelings and opened up so much for me. There was a moment in my life where I fell in love with swimming again. And I must tantalize you because that story that involved a beautiful person... I'll have to tell it. I'll have to tell that tale another day. But it was a very significant moment to me. And I also realized that we've been talking about these breathing techniques and swimming is an excellent example of how breathing comes together with body coordination, relaxation... And counting the breath. So swimming can be a great way to open up to meditation. And to open up the body. And to open up what it feels like to be in your body. So we've talked about synchronizing body movements with the breath. And of course swimming does that because certain strokes you turn your head to breathe. And... Of course, you have to count your breaths. Well, You count strokes, but counting strokes that are synchronized with breath is, in a way, counting the breath as well. And also, if you're kicking, then you're doing a body movement which is different to, at a different pace, of other body parts. So it really is a great thing to add to your kettle of tricks, your bag of tricks, which is swimming. Now, I don't actually swim per se that much. I actually... (coughs) Pardon me. Pardon me. I don't actually swim. I actually more often just do floating. And this is great for having an awareness of how your muscles are tense or where they're relaxed, and also how you balance the oxygen. So breathing in water, my suggestion or the take-home trick today is to float in water and to watch your breathing and how the body changes. It's where it's floating, which part of the body is floating, and which in which way that it's floating. So what you do is you basically, what I'm talking about, let me describe it to you. You go to the pool, you lie in and then you lie back on your back and you spread, spread out your arms and you spread out your legs and then you breathe slowly, just enough to keep you afloat. Now, if your lungs are full, you will float and if they are empty, they will sink. So to stay afloat, you need to keep a certain amount of oxygen in your lungs. And when you first do this, what you'll notice is that you're breathing in and out and you're losing your balance. You keep maybe submerging certain parts and you can't keep a steady flow. Now Now I'll also mention that it is actually possible to float with empty lungs. The body does naturally float, but As we're starting out, when you're first trying this, you want to have a certain amount of air in the lungs. And also, as a breathing technique, as retaining oxygen, that's part of this technique. So lying there, belly up in the water, what you can do is raise your arms upwards, so they're high over your head. And this position of having the arms up, Will expand the lungs, it'll open your rib cage. And that will mean that your air, you will have more air in your body. And you can slow your breathing. So you keep doing your breathing and you slow it down. So it's more and more shallow. Now, when we talk about deep and shallow breathing, what I mean here in this conversation is how much air goes in and out each breath. So you ta- if you take a lot of air in and a lot of air out, that's deep breathing. Now when we have shallow breathing, you're taking a very little amount of air in and a very little amount of air out. But there's actually a- another scale that you can add to shallow breathing, which is shallow breathing with empty lungs or shallow breathing with full lungs and then the scale of everything in between. So normally when we first learn shallow breathing, or you're just working on your shallow breathing, it's shallow from a neutral position. Now here in the water, when you've got your lungs stretched by your hands over your head, and you're lying there, and you're doing this shallow breathing, you'll be doing it with a full lung capacity. So you'll be retaining a large amount of oxygen then you can also become sensitive to which parts of the body are balanced and you can breathe into different parts of the body certain maybe your leg will start to sink maybe a, a shoulder will start to slide certain things will happen all sorts of things can open up and if you relax and you let go And you allow yourself to sink. Really, one of the tricks to floating is to work out how to... Or or you send the intention to your body to sink. So you sink and you push backwards, but you have to push backwards evenly. So you're using the entire surface, your head, your neck, your shoulders, your shoulder blades, your arms, your elbows, your wrists, your hands... Your upper back, lower back, your tailbone, your buttocks, your thighs, your the back of your knees, the back of your legs, all of it, all of those points, they need to be evenly pressed as if you were on a flat surface. And what will happen is the, the parts that come upwards will be telling you about the parts that need to go down more. This is how you develop this balance, this sense of Coordination and the breath, the breathing that you're doing, each breath that you take will change how it's balanced. And balancing that will help even everything out and help you discover new things within yourself. Now, when you're breathing, you're doing shallow breathing with the lungs full and you've balanced your body, and you're still, and you get to a point where you're perfectly still, and you're perfectly relaxed, then it gets to a point where you're, you've you almost stopped breathing. It's almost like you're holding your breath. And when we do holding the breath, we usually think that afterwards there's this big pluh. But here, when holding the breath, it's very... It's very subtle and it's not very dramatic because you're, you're sort of slowly doing it. And it's sort of this, this, this top thing. Now, there are things to be said about holding the breath for as long as possible because that is a great technique for expanding lung capacity. And in fact, when you're working on holding your breath, the best way to do it is in water. It's while you're swimming. And it's the swimmers that can hold their breath for the longest. So even just dunking your head under the water and seeing how long you can hold your breath for, this is com- this is a completely different technique to the floating technique or the full lungs, shallow breathing technique. But it still involves the water. So if you want to be doing a whole bunch of things, then try this. But... There's something about the instinct of being in water and knowing that you have to hold your breath. So holding your breath underwater is a great way to give yourself the experience of pushing longer and making it harder for you to to, to sort of chicken out. Like if you just hold your breath and you say, okay, I'm going to go for as long as I can then you'll chicken out. There will be something in there that says, oh, this is the best that I can do. I gave up. That's my personal best. But you'll find, well, actually, you can hold your breath for longer if you're doing it in water. And, of course, there was this famous stunt artist, Houdini, who... He was popular in, uh, in like, the 1890s or something, a long time ago. But he had this stunt of going into the milk tub or the the, whatever, the can, some sort of device which was big enough to hold him and all this water, and he'd hold his breath, and he was chained up or he was in locks. And it was a very engaging act because he would tell the audience to say, you hold your breath when I take a breath. And he'd go in and everyone would be there going purple in the face and then many you know maybe a whole minute or a minute and a half would pass and everyone's lost their breath and they think well he's dead he's drowning in there and then he would burst out of course he could hold his breath for 3 minutes or something so much longer and he'd trained for it so much longer than you and me and then of course since then there's been lots many different versions of that stunt as pioneered by Houdini like there's one where you you actually see the person in there and it's a glass cage others where it's upside down others where you where they're in certain chain like some of them have very elaborate chain configurations or different locks like i've seen one where they have a lock and there are 30 keys but only one of those keys opens the lock something like that so there's a whole range of different variations on that trick, but that is a technique for Houdini. Like, how did he feel? What sort of kick did he get out of it? What sort of adrenaline did he get out of it? And it comes back to performance complex or the performance skills of remaining calm in a high pressure situation. And that's what gives a good feeling. If he can relax his muscles and he can be calm and not stress out, because of course, if you stress out, then your muscles tense and that uses more oxygen. So you're going to choke quicker. So you have to stay relaxed. But that whole thing of, oh, you have to stay relaxed is, is the whole trip. So yeah, I thought I'd share a few words about Houdini because what a what a guy. What an amazing guy to have come up with that. I guess he's famous for for creating something that is so engaging, such an uh, engaging performance. Now there is also things to be said about breathing out underwater. So when you swim, you breathe out underwater and even that in itself for some people is a goes against something of an instinct and i've seen these tank divers where they go in at very high pressure depths in tanks and they're actually going in at the bottom and then they make their way upwards through the tank so the, the curious thing about this is that because of the change in the water pressure, the lung pressure, the air pressure in the lungs changes, so they actually have to breathe out at certain points to stop their lungs from bursting. I'm talking depths of like 30 meters, 40 meters, this sort of thing. And some of the scuba divers train for this sort of thing in case something goes wrong or de- de- deep divers do this, depth divers, those ones with have the which have these long fins and they're really going deep. So deep diving and breathing, so you, you're holding your breath for a long time and you're also breathing out as you go up towards the surface, that is something that can give you a kick. That, that's a development of the nervous system, of blood pressure, of respiratory system ability. So, these people, these athletes, I guess you can call them, or performers, have a really high quality of relaxation and a really good blood flow. And and what it feels like, this is what it all comes back to, is what it feels like to be in their body. What would it feel like to be one of these people? And they feel pretty good. They feel pretty amazing. And we can do just a little bit of that. We can just have our sample of it. And another thing I'll mention quickly about breathing out underwater. If you're just blowing bubbles, now there's there's this curious thing about relaxing the face. And you can get a relaxation in your nasal, under your eyes, and your nose by breathing out your nose underwater. So you're basically just doing breaths for the sake of breaths. So you go, <gasps> When your head is above water, then out the nose. When you're below water, but when you blow, it's like blowing your nose, and you'll feel your sort of ch- your inner cheeks puff out. And if you do this a few times, it, it causes this vibration, sort of in the same way that that sort of raspberry vibrates the tongue and the lips and the jaw. Then this breathing. Out underwater vibrates the nose and the nasal and the eyes and even if, if you go for a few times and you really push it then it goes up into your forehead and your eyebrows and this is great for relaxing the face now there's not a lot of techniques that help with relaxing the face and the face is something that has so much tension in it there's so much scrunching and rummaging and all these different emotions and all sorts of things that happen and appear in the face. So relaxing the face by doing this technique of... Uh, uh, you Well, breathing in the mouth and above water and then breathing out the nose below water. You can experiment with all sorts of variations on that. Like you can do in your nose and above water and out your mouth below water. But typically, if you're doing this relaxation exercise, it's actually out the nose that you want to do below water. Now, there is also something to be said about the temperature of the water. Because when you have cold water, your nervous system and your muscles go into a sort of shock and when your muscles go into shock, you want to br- you breathe faster. There's an intention to panic, there's an adrenaline like whoo, 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 what's happening. So, if you're doing these techniques and you're slowing your breath in cold water, then you're going to have huge gains in your nervous system ability. And this is basically, I've heard of this thing, the Wim Hof method. And this, this is basically what, from what I've heard, is going on there with the Wim Hof method. Now, he's a bit extreme because he's actually doing ice swimming and he's doing some hardcore breathing techniques. And I don't really know much about it. I mean, you can find out about it yourself. But in essence, one thing to be aware of is this ability to relax in cold water and to relax in Stressful situations, and to slow your breathing. And of course, I think there really should be a warning here because there's a there's a danger of hypothermia. There's a danger of actually, or even just catching a cold. So be ready to get warm afterwards. And I don't know if we're as as extreme as Wim Hof. <laughs> He's a. He, you know, I would believe that he has an extremely high quality of phenomenological experiencing. He would, he would, he must be a high level athlete or on par with a high level athlete to do the things that he does. And we, well, I guess you and me, we're just the the samplers. We're the experimenters. We're the experimental crew. So we're not the we're not the athletes. Well, maybe you are, but I see myself as the the amateur dabbler. So, yeah, be aware of the ability to be in cold water. You'd be surprised. Like, it, it is something that you can train to be in cold water. Like, the first time if you just dive into ice water, it'll probably kill you. But if you work your way up, and you can do this when you're coming into winter, if you swim every day, depending on where you live in the world, but here in Australia, it's possible to swim every day, and then each day gradually, more or less, becomes colder, and the water slightly becomes colder. Now, if you live in Canada, (laughs) well, that might not work, because it might get down to minus 30. I'm I'm not telling you to to go out and swim in the minus 30, <laughs> something like this. Of course you know that. That's. I'm just being funny. But, yeah, it's all up to you. So, yeah, that's a little bit about breathing with water and floating and swimming and balancing your air in the water. And there really is so much I could say about floating. And there's probably more than just breathing techniques in that and more that I could say about how it affects your balance and your sense of weight. Now, if you do this floating and you reach to this stillness, then what you'll notice is that when you come out of the pool or wherever you're swimming, your sense of weight will be different. You might feel heavy. So when you're really practicing this and you do a good slog at it, there's this sensation of being sucked to the ground as you walk, like your, like, your, like your gravity has been increased and really pulled and that can happen. So watch out for that. And then actually there's more to this because there's an after effect of the shallow breathing with full lungs. And this is something to watch out for as well. When you do shallow breathing, which is small breaths with a large lung capacity, with full lungs, as you're doing when you're floating in the pool, then that will later have an overcorrection. And this will occur either an hour or a few hours afterwards, which is that you will have this breath where you breathe in very quickly and then suddenly out very quickly. And then you're holding on the out breath. Now, if you do this, what I suggest is if you notice this and it's happening, then what I suggest is you work with it because holding the out breath on four part breathing, as we talked about in episode one, that's usually the hardest one for most people. So, this technique will open that up dramatically for you. And what I suggest is that you count only the hold of the out-breath because what's going to happen is you're going to have these these big breaths going in really fast and then out suddenly really fast and then hold. And you'll notice actually that in that, when you're doing it naturally, it's actually a very small, slow in-breath. So there's a leakage there where it appears to be a hold on the out-breath. And you can stop that leakage and work on the hold of the out-breath. Now, this is great for stillness. This is great for your emotional body. Because when you breathe out, that's your little death. That's your deep silence. So the ability to have a very solid, long hold... On the out breath on the empty lungs is a great thing for opening up your breathing capacity. So go to the pool, float there with full lungs and shallow breathing, and then expect after an hour or so, you, you probably you basically have to meditate or lie down to notice this. If you're being active with your body. Or you're doing something active with your body, then then the effect won't take as much because your lungs will be putting their energies towards the movement of your body. If you're working or you're doing whatever with your body, so be still, and you can do something that's you know mentally challenging, or you can do something that's more of the mind. And when it comes along, notice that you've got this sudden in breath, sudden out breath, and then a hold. On the long empty breath. Floating really is beautiful. It's a it's a wonderful technique or thing to do. I don't know if it's really a technique. It's just it's just something so beautiful and so nice. And if you come down to my local you could probably see me there. Stretched out like a starfish. (laughs) Maybe someday we'll do some photography. That would be nice. So, I thought I'd also cram in some things about smoking. Now, it might seem a bit strange to talk about smoking with learning to breathe, but you notice there's one thing about the smoker, which is this idea of the habit Now a smoker who smokes regularly, look at what they're exactly doing. They're walking out of the office, going downstairs, and they're doing this fiddly process with their hands and then they're concentrating on their breathing. Or they're doing a specific kind of altered breathing. It's different breathing to their normal breathing. And they're doing this for a few minutes multiple times a day. Now I don't I don't, condone this, I don't condone smoking. Well, what, what can I say about smoking? I mean, I've smoked for years, and I'm, I'm not smoking at the moment. But really, I, I can't say there's anything... It, I mean, it's, it's tricky for me, because there's nothing wrong with smoking, really. If you want to smoke, then you can smoke. There's no problem with it. I mean, who's to stop you, and why shouldn't you, if you enjoy it? Sure, it's, it's bad for your health and all that, but who am I to tell you what to do with it? Well, we're sitting here talking about breathing techniques, and you'd think that I'm trying to say things about your health, but no, it's, it's up to you. I'm trying to empower you to make your decisions, and... And really, there is something to be gained from smoking. And if you want to quit smoking, then, I mean, to to quit smoking, usually the, the technique is to say, well, how do I learn all the bad things about it? And how do I make the bad things really obvious to me so that I get disgusted by it? But another way to go about quitting smoking is to say, well, what are the good things I get from it? What do I like from it? What is there to be gained from it? And if you've never had a cigarette in your life, you've never had that experience, then, well, maybe you don't need to. I don't know. Have you missed life if you've never smoked? Maybe not. But then, of course, there's more to just smoking because there's not just smoking cigarettes, there's also smoking pot. And if you smoke pot in in the literal sense, where it's marijuana and the pot, chamber, then you've got your bubbles, and everyone likes to blow bubbles, or in this case, it's sucking bubbles. So there's something very novel about smoking pot, and marijuana is, you know, there's a revolution happening at the moment about the use of marijuana for medicinal purposes or for all sorts of different purposes. So this culture of, oh, smoking pot is bad, is changing and that's not to downplay the problems of addiction and what it can do to your mind and your your emotional life and your motivation. So i by no means advocate the use of pot, but I also don't advocate against it. And then there's also shisha. If you ever get the chance to smoke shisha, maybe that can be an experience that you have That's In different cultures, shisha is popular. And then you can have some fruity flavors. And shisha can change your sense of taste. And I don't know if it's for the better or worse, but it just changes your sense of taste because they're flavored smoking devices. And now we sort of move, when we talk about smoking, we also move into things like incense. So if you're doing a certain meditation course or you're doing certain meditative practices, then incense can be used to work with that. If you're doing certain journal writing, if you're doing shadow work where you're doing journal writing and you're going back to a certain point in your life, then incense can be used to stir certain memories and also smells more generally. If you want to access a memory... Find the smell of the time in that life. And now this brings me on to aromatherapy. Now, aromatherapy is such a huge subject. We really should dedicate an entire episode to it in itself. And I don't really know that much about it. But basically, aromatherapy is this idea of changing your state or your mood or your mind or whatever it is that's in you. Through the nose sense. It's through the respiratory system and through the the sense of smell. And there are aromatherapy products which are designed for all sorts of things. Some of them help you sleep. Some of them help you wake up. Some of them are for relaxing. Some are for the energy body. Some are from the emotional body. Some are for certain meditative practices Some are for certain diet things. So, there's a whole world of aromatherapy techniques and things that are used for smelling and breathing. And probably a nice little thing to add is just have a smell every now and then. Come back to the sense of smell. It's a neglected sense. It doesn't get used consciously enough. So, have a habit. Make yourself a habit of when there's something that smells nice around, just stop and take a big breath in the nose. Just, ah, smell those roses, baby. Wow. Or just... S- wake up and smell the fresh air. Wake up and smell the sea air, that salty sea air. Now, depending on which city you're in, <laughs> if you live in India, you might not have much fresh air around. If you live in a big city like to- Tokyo or you no- New York, you knock, <laughs> then it might be that there isn't a chance to have much beautiful smells like that and you need to get out in nature more. Buy yourself a... Air purifier, put it in your room. That's important. So, that's some things to do with smoking and your sense of smell. And I think that probably covers enough for today. Are you feeling like going for a swim? Do you want to test this out? What's stopping you from going for a swim today? It might be winter where you are. But at least have a think about it and really get into it. Really make make yourself a make yourself a resolution to say I'm gonna try this next time I'm swimming. I'm sure at some point in your life you're gonna go for a swim again. So make sure you remember this, this floating technique. And you'll be surprised at how relaxing it is. You'll be surprised at how much how much changes for you just after one one go at this. So, thanks very much for tuning in, and that's all I have to say for now.